Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How Good Is Rugby League. My name is Michael Corbin, and I am joined, as always, by Emmanuel. Emmanuel, how are you going? Michael, how are you? Good, good. It's been a... Uh, last week, we mentioned that, you know, it's been a bit quiet <laughs> in the NRL. It was a bit of a quiet before the storm, and geez, the storm is pretty big. A lot has gone... A lot is going on in the NRL, and a lot of the headlines are focused around one team, the Brisbane Broncos. There's a lot of rumours are flying around. Everyone's getting a bit toey, but you know, we've got players leaving the, the the leadership group. We've got a coach who's broken COVID restrictions, and yes, everything's everything's going downhill for Brisbane. It's not looking good. Yeah, the Brisbane Broncos are in very very unfamiliar territory at the moment. It is a position they're currently sitting 15th on the ladder. They have the worst defence in the competition. They're the only team to have conceded um, more than 400 points. Um, they've conceded 401 points. Uh, the second worst defensive record currently sits with the Cowboys, who have conceded 343. So Brisbane are, by a considerable length, uh, the worst defensive team. They're the second worst attacking team, uh, second only to the Bulldogs, which says a lot in itself. They're sitting 15th on the ladder. It's the lowest they've ever been. They're in completely unfamiliar territory. This is the biggest club in the NRL. This is a publicly listed company. Um, this is a, a, a one, one club, one city club. Um, it, it prides itself on success. It, it, it's got massive parcels of, and pockets of communities to choose from for its juniors. Um, and, and, it, and it's in a place that it's never been in before. And... Um, their performance on the weekend against Souths, while not as bad scoreline-wise as scores say that they've had um, suffered against, say, the Roosters or the Storm or anything like that, the lack of efforts and the lack of intent from their players um, is just probably some of the most alarming stuff I think any Broncos fan would ever want to see. Um, Mark Nichols scored a try on the weekend. He did not expect to score. It was just such a simple run-up, and he got the third try of his career. There's a, there's a lack of effort there. Um, there's players in disarray. Um, Darius Boyd has announced that he's quitting the leadership group, um, which I think just sends a message of its own. Tavita Pangai Jr. is in a lot of trouble. Um, as we go to record tonight, the Broncos are trying to tear up his contract, saying that, um, there are material breaches by the fact he had breached COVID restrictions um, and he had been associating with bikies. So uh, things are a bit out of control in Brisbane and I think that anyone calling for the coaches sacking probably needs to um, expand the net, really, of, um, of changes that need to happen within the club. Yeah, you mentioned those changes. First of all, uh, $650,000 haircut for Tavita Pangai Jr. I expect he hasn't <laughs> had a haircut that expensive before in his life. Um, yeah, you, you spoke about the changes. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Ben Eichen, uh, he's put his name up for the CEO job. So we know Paul White's on the move. He won't be there in that position for too long. And that's expected. The way the Broncos have performed over these last couple of years you cannot you cannot keep the CEO who has put this team together and uh, you know brought in this coach and given him a five year contract. You can't keep him at the helm. Uh, there's I the other day I was I was just looking at Queensland eligible players. 
players who are eligible for Queensland origin. The list is tiny at the moment. And it just shows that teams like all three of the Brisbane teams aren't doing a, all three of the Queensland teams aren't doing a good enough job at developing players. And the team who is always at the top of that list, who has developed so many great players, the Broncos are not doing it anymore. A lot of their stars they have signed. Anthony Milford, uh, who else? Payne Haas is not a is not a Broncos junior. They're, Brody Croft. All these guys they've brought into the club, they're not developed and. I don't, there's there's more than just what is being put on the field week to week wrong with this club. There's a lot more going on in the background and change needs to happen. Yeah. And look, I to be honest, I just think change is inevitable um, at this stage now. I, I, I think it's become terminal. I understand the coach has a long-term contract, but it, there does not seem to be a solution for him to the problem. I, I, I just think we saw it... Um, the end of last year, the 58-0, I think it took everyone a bit by surprise and, and you thought that coming into this year, they started strongly, the rule changes happened and then it took them weeks to win a game after the COVID break. Um, I, I, it's, a really, it's, it's, a, it's one of those things, I think, Corb, is where maybe you just need... It, um, this could be a bit like a Manly or the Bulldogs kind of situation where usually their success hinges on someone who's been associated in the club, with the club playing the role of coach. So obviously Wayne Bennett fits the mould because he, he, he obviously founded the club. Um, and, but, uh, you know, Wayne can't be there forever. They had Henjack and they had Anthony Griffin. Um, and Griffin, I feel like, had mixed success while he was there. Um, but, you know, I think the idea of Lockyer coming in as, as the CEO of the club is a great idea. He's been an administrator. He was on the board of the Cowboys. He has worked with Paul Green before, whose name is in the ring to coach, um, to coach Brisbane. But I do think that Kevin Walters will probably end up being the option that Brisbane take. Uh, I think this is based on the fact that Ke- um, Kevin Walters coming to the club. He's someone, he's a favourite son. He's been there before he's, as an assistant coach. He's much loved. He's got great experience. And I, and I think that part of the problem is that, that there are a lot of people out there taking a lot of satisfaction out of watching Brisbane Brisbane the way they are. That even those within circles of Brisbane are, are enjoying the fact that they're struggling because Anthony Seabold has really sort of annoyed a lot of people when he came into the club. So we've spoke, heard Gordon Tallis talk before about how the old boys have been shunned and everything like that. Um, and I think if you have someone like Walters come in um, and I can as CEO, then you have, you know, two old boys there. It's kind of a, they were part of a success, successful eras in Brisbane. Um, they won premierships. And they know what winning feels like. They've been through the Brisbane system and know what created its success. Um, and so in, in my opinion, like, just because Anthony Seabold worked in a, in a successful system in Melbourne doesn't mean he, he on his own is going to be a successful coach. I completely agree. There's so many. There's so many coaches who have who have left. You know, we talked. We've spoken about the coaching trees before. People have left Bellamy's coaching tree, and they haven't had the success that everyone thought they would have. Stephen Kearney's another perfect example where he just couldn't get the Warriors over the hump. Just because you've worked under a great coach, Seabold Seabold was bolstered by the fact that he went to a great South Sydney team and could only take him to. I, th- I think that team should have been in the grand final, and they weren't, unfortunately. You know, but even still, that that team, you know, it was it was a tick on his resume, and unfortunately, this season uh, is definitely not going to be a tick on that resume. It's going to be a stain on it, and he might find. I 
that ultimatum, whatever the you needed to win five of your next game, ten games, it's done. It's over. He's he's that's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, he's probably not going to last a year. I don't think, and it's only a matter of time before he loses his job. Yeah, look to put Brisbane's current predicament into context. I read today from Andrew Ferguson on Twitter that he's put a list together of I think the twenty first. 20 worst defensive performances uh, from teams after 13 rounds of the NRL season. This goes all the way back to 1908. And under, given their current points differential, their points against, Brisbane would actually be in this crop of teams. Now, to explain to you the calibre of teams that are in this crop of teams, it includes the South teams of 2002, 2004, and 2006. It includes... uh, the Cowboys teams that won wooden spoons when they came into the competition, and it includes the Bulldogs teams that came into the, that got wooden spoons when they entered the competition. So Brisbane's it's not just criticism of Brisbane and the coach and everything. It it is it is one of the worst defensive performances from a club, but especially from the Broncos. This is a this is a team that knows success, but I think it's part of the problem is now it hasn't tasted it for so long. And the risk is, and if I'm a Broncos fan that, that has Seabold there for the next three seasons after this, because that's what the contract stipulates, I mean, that could, be, that could be, what, 15, 17, 18 years without winning, unless he can turn this around. And that includes five years of mediocrity under Seabold. And I don't think the club can afford that. Yeah, this team has never really had to go through one of these periods it's it's been successful since its inception into rugby since its introduction into rugby league they've you know they won six premierships in 20 years close to and yeah it's it's tough times like players players don't leave the broncos how many great players have left the broncos but now it's happening they're a team in a bit of disarray and yeah we we avoided we we tried so hard for weeks and weeks not to you know mention what's going on with the Brisbane Broncos because we, we were sick of talking to them, but it's got to a boiling point this week and unfortunately, we had to bring it up. Now, you mentioned Tavita's, uh, Tavita Pangai Jr.'s COVID breach, but he's not the only one who has been caught out by, uh, you know, the public uh, going out into, you know, everyone's everyone's got their phones nowadays. It's very easy to get caught. And two people who have been caught, one of them is very close to you, Wayne Bennett and Paul Vaughan. Now, Paul Vaughan admitted that what he did was wrong. He apologized. Wayne, on the other hand, tried to defend what he did. And I think he looked a bit stupid doing so. Yeah, definitely. As I said to you at the time via text, uh, COVID sightings of the new sex tapes. This is going to be the only way to disrupt anyone's season. Wayne Bennett got caught. Uh, part of me thinks he just didn't want to fly to Townsville this weekend. He's concerned about Corona and his old age. But um, no, look, it, it's laughable. It's embarrassing. It's ridiculous that this has happened. Um, I'm actually really glad that it was the coach that got caught um, for the sake of all players because there's, there's going to be a period of time now where everyone's going to get got. And I'm glad it happened to our coach and not to anyone else. He sort of, in that sense, took one for the team. Um, fine 20000 for his effort. I probably thought it should have been more. He's the most experienced coach. He's on the Project Apollo committee. He drafted the rules. He said he was confused by the rules. I don't understand, Corbs. I don't understand. How can you say this? Yeah. 
It's the it it highlights an, a bigger underlying problem though, which could be that not not that Souths are going to be complacent, but there's teams that are now dropping out of contention, and players could start getting complacent. We got seven rounds left, and already most of there's probably only nine, ten teams that are fighting for that eight for that top eight. What is in it for these other teams, right? I'll tell you what's in it though. What is in it is future money. Because if the league, Peter Volandis has said this this week, he said that if the league uh, breaks these protocols, they won't be able to travel to Queensland, which means that the game is in danger. The government yeah. has allowed the game to continue. The Queensland government, the New South Wales government has allowed the game to continue. If players keep on breaking, breaking protocols, it means that the game will have to shut down again. The game shuts down again, it's going to be chaos. They're going to have to borrow more money and then there's going to be less money in the future. So that's what the players have to play for. And that's why I implore all players, please abide by the rules that are set down. It's tough, but have to do it. Yeah. And look, you know, you talk about what's in it for everyone else. Well, really, current money is in it for everyone else. The NRL has renegotiated the deal for this year that says you have to get 20 rounds of football out there. Okay. So if some of these players in these lower teams start to break these rules, then those games that they're involved in, if the breaches are so great, those games they're involved in, could be postponed. They could be abandoned. They could be forfeited. They could be delayed. All of this impacts the timing of the season, impacts the timing of the finals, delays state of origin. Um, it, it all, it, it, it's current money as much as it's future money. Um, I, like, I understand their restrictions are, are, are quite difficult and they've done a very good job of it so far. But no one, especially anyone such, such as Wayne Bennett, whose life has not really turned upside down, to the extent of others, no one like Wayne should really be complaining. And which is my sort of terrible segue into talking about the Warriors who have moved here from the Tasman, um, across the Tasman and have performed unbelievably well under the pressure. Yeah, they are. Uh, they got another win on the weekend, their fifth win of the season. They are still in contention for that top eight spot. It's going to be tough, but yeah, I've, I've been impressed by the Warriors' effort all season. We've spoken about how they have no right to be in any of these games. They lost Blake Green this week, their their key playmaker, and they still managed to come out and beat Manly. They put 14 points up in the first 10 minutes. I, I missed the first five minutes of the game, and I turned it on. I was like, what is going on here? How has this already happened? They're, really, they're, they're performing really well, and you have to think maybe it's because they were bolstered by the fact that you know, they've now found their head coach for next year and they've got uh, the smartest man in rugby league coming to join their uh, join, join their troops as well. Yeah, uh, massive, massive boost for the Warriors, I think. Um, Phil Gould is taking on a consultancy role over there. Um, he also works and, and thinks very highly of Nathan Brown, um, who I think did a commendable job for the... the the predicament that Newcastle was in at the time, he, he absorbed all those losses. He developed young players. Um, he, he, he's not the coach for now for Newcastle, but he was the coach at the time for Newcastle. Um, he, he did an awesome job there uh, steadying the ship. And I, I think he's a, he's a great choice for the Warriors. Um, it's fantastic that, that Gus is on board as well. He, it's a, a development of players, a real passion for him. Um, as anyone who listens to this probably has worked out, you and I are both big fans of him. I think he's the brain that you would always want on your team. Um, and he, to have him as someone, as a consultant, um, to develop and 
um, promote the development of players in the entire country of New Zealand. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I read on NRL.com this afternoon that um, Michael Maguire really encouraged Gus to take the role as the head coach of uh, the War- as of the New Zealand team. Um, he really wants to get involved. And by the sounds of things, that the whole process that is going to um, unfold with Gus is going to be based on the work he did at Penrith. So we're going to see lots of junior pathways developed, uh, perhaps an academy. So all this started when Gus was in place, uh, took the position at Penrith in 2011. And you can see 2020, Penrith riding high on the top of the ladder. So Warriors fans should think and feel content because um, they are in good stead, I think. Yeah. You say that Penrith are riding high on the ladder, but they're riding high on the ladder with talent that has been homegrown. They're all players that have de- been developed under that junior Panthers system. And, you know, that's, that's just from players who live west of Sydney. Because that's Penrith's pool, right? Imagine if you have a whole country to pull players from. Obviously, rugby union is a big sport over in New Zealand. But if you can pinch half of those players for league or not, you know, a little bit of those players, there's so much talent over there, which is untapped. And the Warriors should be a powerhouse in this NRL uh, competition. And I believe Gus will be able to take them to that position. And I, I agree with what you said about Nathan Brown. I think people question whether he was he's a good coach because of that record at Newcastle, but he was handed shit and now he you know and he, he managed to turn it around a little bit. He got players fighting, he developed some younger uh, young guys as well. So I think it'll be if, if Gus trusts him, I think that we have to give him the benefit of the doubt as well. Yeah, and you know, if Gus is a brain you just want on your on your team. I mean, he's won premierships, he's as a player, he's won them as a coach, he's developed the Panthers. He put in place the Roosters pathways when he was there with Nick Politis. Um, he's renowned in the media. He's done a review for the Dragons. The Bulldogs consult him from time to time. Um, he's helped out at Souths in the past. There is, there is no reason you would not want his brain to assist you in some way, shape or form. Um, and you go back to the point on development. It's been It's been flagged endlessly, but we'll flag it here that you know the biggest, the biggest critics and the, the the keenest abolitionists of the under twenties comp, the old Holden Cup or Toyota Cup, were the Bulldogs and the QRL because the QRL thought it underestimated the Queensland Cup as a second tier competition, um, and would rather the Queensland Cup play a role as opposed to the under twenties. And you look at the bottom four on the ladder, and you see the Titans, the Cowboys, the Broncos, and the Bulldogs in those positions. So. Um, Development breeds success. Um, you're seeing it at Penrith. You've got so many players that have played together for so long. Um, it, it's it's great for the Panthers. And they're just in they're in such good shape to probably win what three premierships in the next five years if they can keep the team together. Um, it's it's awesome to watch and see a different team up there. And I think so many people would be so stoked for the Warriors if they were to have a period of success. And the other thing is, if we've got all these players in New Zealand. Um, you know, interested in rugby league, it, it, it grows the talent pool that, that other clubs can attract to their club. So, of course, you know, yeah, of course. All right, that is uh, there's a lot of news to cover this week. I do want to touch on one thing though before we get into our tips and preview of week 14. Uh, the Sunday night, a uh, Sunday afternoon game between the Sharks and the Eels at 
Cogra Oval was one of the most entertaining games of football I have seen for a long time. And it was for one reason. The fact that they were playing in a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was absolutely awesome to watch. I loved it. You just didn't know where the ball was going to land. You didn't know how it was going to bounce. It held up in the end goal. Um, tries are plenty. Players were still stupid enough to go near the sideline and be surprised when they were dragged out. Uh, there were passes that shouldn't have happened. There were forward passes. Everything looked questionable. You couldn't see where the 20-metre tap was going to take place. It was it was great to watch, wasn't it, Corbs? Yeah, like there was one play where Clint Gufferson, uh, Sean Johnson put in a kick, I believe, and it was from inside the 40. The 40-metre line is painted red. The red was gone. You could not <laughs> see the 40-metre line. Clint Gufferson had no idea it was a 40-20. He just, you know, lazily got to the ball. Ref goes 40-20. He was like, what's going on? How was that a 40-20? I couldn't even see the line. Yeah, every every step a player took, every time they slid, there was water going up like a tire spreading for a puddle. It was fantastic to watch. The ball was doing absolutely wicked things in the end goal. One of Wade Graham's kicks looked like it was going 40 meters dead and it pulled up on the like a meter out from the dead ball line. It was such a great game to watch. I know it's not what we're gonna see every week, but you know. The fact that that pitch was able to hold together and not turn into a muddy heap and just have like a thick layer of water on top, it was very interesting, very entertaining, and I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of it in the future. Yeah, we should just play half the games in a, in a meter of water and just see what happens. But <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. It was great to watch. It, was, it added um, great entertainment. Um, like... Just, you know, and it was, a, it was a game that really Cronulla were primed to win. I mean, those conditions, they, they loved the scrap. Um, they could have grounded out and, and Para really had to hold on. So, um, great, great game Sunday afternoon. Absolutely loved it. And two teams that actually enjoy watching, playing each other. So, uh, there's always a bit of animosity in that game. Yeah, and a bit of a storyline from last year. Sharks scored more tries than the Eels, but still couldn't get the win. So, it just shows you how important goal kicking is. Uh, but... Sean Johnson was incredible in that game. Dylan Brown on the other side was fantastic as well. Uh, and Wayne Graham, as always, he, he's so dangerous at that second row, what he, uh, at the second row position, what he can do. All right, Emmanuel, uh, it's week 14 of the NRL competition. Uh, time for our tips. We both got seven this week. Uh, I've now got seven three weeks in a row. So if you have been following along, you should be doing pretty well in your tipping comp. Emmanuel's rolling his eyes at me right now. He's sick of hearing it. Hearing it, I have to look at it too every time I check my tips. <laughs> and it all it all starts uh. week fourteen. All starts with one of the ga- with a repeat of one of the games of the season, uh, Melbourne versus Roosters. Unfortunately, though, both teams are depleted injury wise. For Melbourne, they have no Camerons, no Smith or Munster. Neither <laughs> of them have been named. And the Roosters, I think, have realized this and Robbo has decided that all those injured players that we still have sitting on the sideline get another week of rest. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I watched Melbourne last week and the score line, score line says a lot about them as a team and the, their ability to win games and also says a lot about the quality of the opposition. There was some very sloppy football from them, though. There were a lot of mistakes. The Bulldogs had a lot of early opportunities. Um, for those that follow our Twitter feed, at how good is RL? I did live live tweet this game and got really into it. Um, the the storm I feel really invited the Bulldogs early. A lesser team, oh, sorry, a better team um, would have got the job done early and probably scored a couple of tries. Um, 
but yeah, look, I, this week without the Camerons, I think Munster Munster is amazing. You've all heard my praises of him. I got criticised for having him in my um, team of the year last week. But I, I, yeah, have to go the Roosters here. SCG, I just feel like that they have a, a bigger talent pool to go with. But I, you know, Pappenhausen's back, which is which is great for them. But I just think. Even with all their talent, including Hargraves, Cordner, Crichton, Brett Morris out, um, I think the Roosters have more to get it done. I liked what I saw from Lachlan Lamb last week. Um, him and Kiri looked really good together. And I, I just think the Roosters will be too strong. Yeah. Uh, you got criticised for not giving Kiri much thought last week. Not that you had Munster up there, but it was because you didn't give Kiri much thought. Who's played every game for the Roosters this year. He's one of the only... I think he's the only player to do so. Uh, he's been fantastic. Hitting the, the the speed at which he hits the ball up, like for a five eight, is just incredible, and it puts the defense on the back foot straight away. Uh, yeah, I'm tipping the Roosters as well. Uh, I just don't know where Melbourne's playmaking is going to come from now that their two biggest weapons are missing. Yeah, uh, it's a, yeah, it's it's a good challenge for their halves. I, I still think that they've got a good forward pack. Um, you know, the Bromwiches are there and Brandon Smith's quite good. It's going to be how their halves are because, they've, you know, they've got the speed and Vunavalu and Addo Carr both scored huge long-range long range tries and Pappenhausen's obviously got a bit of a boot, but it, it just depends on the halves. And with Kiri in the Roosters team, you have to go with the Roosters. Yeah. All right. Six o'clock uh, Saturday, uh, Friday night. We have the Warriors versus the Panthers up at Central Coast Stadium. Uh, the Warriors have looked good. They're, they're pulling out tough wins. But that first half from the Panthers on Saturday night was clinical. Uh, Mal Meninga dry, uh, described it as exquisite. I think it was the perfect way to describe it. What they did, they scored 24 points against the, the Raiders. It was Absolutely beautiful. Billy kick out, destroyed, uh, destroyed the line with absolutely brilliant hole running. And yeah, the, this team is no one. No one misses a beat. Someone goes out, someone comes in, and it's every everywhere. Everyone is just clicking on all cylinders, and it all stems from Nathan Cleary, who's been the informed player in the competition week in week out. He's the guy who's going to lead them around the park, and he's doing the best job at it. And yeah. Can't until the Panthers lose. Why would I tip against them? Yeah, you have to go with them. I mean, everything about them is just consistent. They keep winning. They're at the top of the ladder. They've made that spot their own. Their team is unchanged once again. Um, Warriors have been great. Um, they've been really just, you know, it's a full. I really commend them because that their circumstances are so challenging, and they are, they put to shame every team below them on the ladder because this is a team that doesn't know how to win in Australia before this. Um, and, you know, we all gave them, me as well, just like really doubted their ability this year. But um, especially I think now with Todd Payton there, there's a bit more effort from them. And um, this team that was meant to be ridden off as well when some of their star players went home is, is really performing. So good on them. But I'm going for Penrith as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Friday night, 7.30, uh, we have the Eels versus the Dragons. Uh, Eels on a bit of a short turnaround here, uh, playing a very tough physical game against the Sharks. 
but they are bolstered by the return of Ryan Madison. Uh, they're almost full strength for this week. I am surprised that Blake Ferguson has kept his spot on the wing after his howlers on the weekend, but I'm still sticking with the Eels. Yeah, I'm going for Para too. Um, Madison's back, so he'll be he'll just be fresh, which will, which will be a good boost, I think. After because Para will be stuffed, I think that game will have taken so much out of them. But I think St George with Norman back at five eight, um, it's just not good enough for me. Um, um, and Tarek Sims out with that shoulder injury that looked really ugly last week. Marin's out. Um, yeah, look, for me it's Para. Um, but I'm still, their performances the last few weeks haven't been fantastic, but I, I still think they'll notch up the win. Um, Jackson Ford, is he suspended for that trip on Keary? Yeah, that three that weeks. He got three weeks for yeah. that. Um, the other thing, I'm surprised that Tristan Saylor didn't get the starting job over Corey Norman. I know he's a bit, he, he lost it a bit in defense in the second half, but I think that was more exhaustion because he hadn't played in, He's played 20 minutes of first grade this season. He he was fantastic when he came on. His kicking was great. He offered yeah. them a bit more of a spark, and I'm surprised he's still on the bench. That might be a late change from um, McGregor or whoever is running the helm at the Dragons this week. Yeah, I really I thought he's great. He's got a great kicking game. Um, definitely mixes it up there. So um, we shall see. Now the next game is. At three o'clock on Saturday, um, Sharks versus Titans. Sharks back at Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. Um, they will also be possibly exhausted after last week's wet weather win. Um, but Sharks, so Jack Williams replaces Wilton on the bench. Rudolph is named to start. Uh, and the Titans are unchanged after their great win last week against the Cowboys. I really liked what I saw from the Gold Coast last week. I mean, this is a, I have to say that they're really putting in effort. Um, they're probably buoyed by the fact that they've got a couple of big names coming in the club. Um, it's just, just I, I, you know, they always get sort of, you know, criticised, primarily from me for just being that team that always, you know, is down the bottom. But I feel like that they're doing a bit better than the Broncos, the Cowboys and the Bulldogs in the, in the effort department. I still think Cronulla will win this game, though. Um, I thought, I think they're looking good. Um, shout out to Camilla, who has been roasting me all year for roasting Cronulla. So I think they're looking good. Um, I expect them to get it done against the Gold Coast. Yeah, uh, I've also gone the Sharks, but Alexander Brimson has been back for the last two weeks, and he looks fantastic. He missed the season, missed the start of a season with a fractured back which we mentioned last week. Uh, and he's finding his form. And you can tell that he really takes the pressure off Ash Taylor as well. And Ash Taylor's playing a bit more freely. Jamal Fogarty's looking good. Nathan Peach is getting a bit more form. You know, he was a former Origin player. So that spine that I said, you know, might be lacking next year isn't looking too bad. It's nice and young. I really like what I've seen. And they're going to have a huge pack next year to run behind. Things are looking up for the Titans. They're the best team in Queensland at the moment. Not that that's a high bar to set, but yeah, uh, things are looking good for them. But the Sharks are a top eight team. They're sitting fifth. Uh, they're sitting sixth at the moment, I believe, or seventh. Eighth. So, eighth. Uh, oh, they've dropped to eighth. Okay. Well, they're still they're still up there. They're still playing really well, and they were unlucky to lose on the weekend. 
Uh, I'm sticking with them. Uh, Johnson's been in incredible form and he's finding a lot more consistency, which has been a problem for him his whole career. So I'm sti- I'm going with the Sharks. Yeah. Now, Saturday, 5.30, Queensland Country Bank Stadium. The Cowboys host Souths. Um, so for Souths, Jaden Sewer comes back in from suspension. Uh, Liam Knight drops to the bench. Uh, and for the Cowboys, Drinkwater returns from injury at fullback. Um, and then uh, Tabuai Fido uh, goes to the wing in place of Justin O'Neill. And Asiata returns on the bench in place of Tom Gilbert. Now. I'm really hoping that both teams bring the form they did last weekend um, because Michael Morgan was absolutely horrendous in his first game back and I would love nothing better than to see him repeat that performance against Stanford. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Drinkwater's last game, I think he dropped more balls than he caught, which was against the Roosters. Uh, he's returning from injury. Uh, but he's in his preferred position of fullback. I think he's a much better fullback than he is a 5'8". Um, but... Despite having to go up to North Queensland, I'm tipping Souths. Uh, Latrell had a really good game on the weekend. I thought he was really involved. Cody Walker is finding a bit of form. He's a bit more consistent this week. And Adam Reynolds' kicking game was uh, perfect on the weekend. Uh, everything was just landing perfectly in the end goal. Had the ball on a string. So I'm, uh, yeah. The, the Cowboys pack might worry Souths a little bit, but I think. I think the back line is still too strong. So I'm going to stick with Souths. He's hoping you're right. Which brings us to Saturday night, 7.35, Raiders Broncos down in Canberra. Um, I don't even think we have to discuss our tips, but let's go through the teams. So the Raiders are unchanged with Havili um, overcoming his tricep injury. And for the Broncos, Pangai is on the COVID hold, as we discussed. Ben Teo comes into the starting side. They've got a young player named Jordan Ricky on debut. Um, Isaac Luke, Isaac, sorry, Isaac Luke. I don't know why I called him Luke. Isaac Luke has been relegated to the reserves, and Pakes joins the bench for his seventh game of the season. Um, Peter Gentle will be the coach for Brisbane for the next two weeks, um, while Seabold is out. Um, I'm going for the Raiders. Yeah, this is an easy one for me, the Raiders. Uh, very few players put in any effort for the Broncos on the weekend. The only player who I saw actually had a real good go was Tom Dearden. Uh, he, I think he's locked up that number seven spot for the future. He looks good. He steers the team around the park well uh, and was great defensively. He made a really good, he made a couple good uh, try-saving tackles against Souths. Despite the fact that the, uh, the Raiders were shocked by the skill of the Pampers on the weekend. This team's still too good to drop it, drop to the Broncos at home, of all places. So, cold night down in Canberra. Perfect conditions for a Raiders big win. All right, 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, we have the Knights versus the Sea Eagles. Knights coming off a huge victory over the Tigers. And I think the addition of Blake Green to this team is going to really, really help the Knights. I wrote them, I wrote them off a couple of weeks ago. They're back, in the, back into contention in my eyes. I think what he does is he opens their attack so much more. You have an extra playmaker there who can kick the ball. And yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with the Knights, mainly coming off that loss to the Warriors. And they're just, they're not consistent at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle very impressive last week. It's it's probably the best performance I've seen from them 
um, absolutely blew the Tigers off the park. Uh, I agree, Blake Green, great addition to that side. They've got a very strong spine in place now. It, it's finally a bit more settled. Um, yeah, look, the, I had Manly, what, in my top eight. I think we, we both did. Um, I think injuries have just got the better of them. Unfortunately, this is the part of the problem when you, you've got so much of your salary cap spent on one player or spent on, you know, three or four players. Um, you really need those players to be on the paddock at all times. Um, and Tom Trevojevic's um, injury is just a, a repeat injury and you can't rush it. And it, it's a worry that one day it's really going to catch up with him. But, you know, while Manly have all this going on, they're still competitive to a point. But I just think, you know, with last week's loss in a game they really should have won, um, and Newcastle looking and still chasing that top four spot, although probably have slipped away from it a bit. Um, I'd expect a big win here from them, um, from the Knights. And I just think uh, Manly will battle for the rest of the year. Yeah, no Adam Fanil Blake for the next four weeks as well, by the looks of it. He's got a PCL injury. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're getting more and more depleted and it's just falling too much on Terry Evans. And I don't think he can do it. I don't think he has... The skill, like he's a great player, but very few can lift this team at the moment. Uh, one thing that Blake Green does offer is it allows Kalen Ponga to play a lot more freely. He's not that second playmaker anymore, and it showed on the weekend he had his best game of probably the last two years. If you ask me, he was phenomenal. Set up two tries, scored two for it by himself. Uh, he had a lot more space, and yeah, really liked what I'm seeing out of the Knights. Michael, before we move on, I mm-hmm. have a trivia question for you in relation to Blake Green. Yeah. How many NRL clubs has he been with? Uh, so Storm, Warriors, Parramatta, um, Knights. So what's that? Four. You play for the no? You didn't play for the Dogs. You play for yeah. the Broncos. You yeah, did play yeah, for the yeah. Dogs. He did. Did you play? For, yeah. Did you play for the Broncos at some point? No, you didn't play for the Broncos. Five. Am I missing Close. one? It's seven. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw Cooper Cronk the other day on Fox Sports asked him uh, when your 10-year reunions come up with all these teams, you're going to have a lot to go to. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's nearly, it's nearly one a month. But the other reason I asked is because he's playing one of his old clubs. I don't know if you remember, but uh, three years ago, he had a season with Manly. He did, When yes. he left the Storm so, yep. before the Warriors picked him up. And then in 2008, 2009, he also played with Cronulla. Ah, so yeah. Eels, Sharks, Dogs, Storm, Manly, Warriors, and Newcastle. So, uh, yeah, geez, it's a hell of a player. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we digress. Now, uh, last game of the round, Tigers, Bulldogs. Before we run through teams and tips, uh, shout out to Adam Dewey, who showed um, a very emotional side on the field last week. Um, He's, of course, a, a great player for Lebanon. He's clearly um, very emotional about the scenes back in, in Lebanon. So um, just, I think, to, to go out and, and, and give your all despite what must be going on in your head and um, it was just well done to him. So um, anyway, let's rip into this. So Tigers-Dogs, final game of the round. Um, so 
Jacob Little gets his first game since a horror knee injury. Moses Embi returns to centre. Talau to the wing. Um, Garner is recalled in the back row. Chris Lawrence on the bench. Uh, Josh Reynolds returns on the bench following the season-ending injury to Billy Walters. For the Dogs, Hollard starts at centre for Avarillo, um, who injured his hip last week. And Cogger replaces Lachlan Lewis, who is rightfully suspended for his tackles last week, which Craig Bellamy did not look too happy about. Just no, my opinion. No, <laughs> uh, even, even though that monster one, it did pop up off the chef chest it looked a lot worse than probably what it was uh yeah but you know bellamy doesn't bellamy loves to overreact a little bit uh and yeah like i said it looked worse than once you saw the replay it wasn't as bad but geez this one's a tough one because the tigers were woeful on the weekend um they were really missing uh my my son harry grant um (laughs) son i think it was boyfriend (laughs) Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. This uh, I I almost took the dogs in this one, but I'm going to stick with the Tigers. Uh, they've still got more talent. Uh, Brooks and Marshall back in the halves should help. Uh, the return of Little is timely, considering they've lost both uh, Grant and Billy Walters. Um, I don't. I if if Tigers lose this one or you know one of their next two, I can't see Harry Grant playing another game for the Tigers this year, just considering the fact that he won't be there next year. Um, yeah, it's I don't know. It's going to be a tough one to watch. I think both teams str- struggling on attack, and yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a non-event this game. Both teams are basically out of contention. Uh, oh, Tigers are still in there, I guess. But yeah, I'm. Sticking with the Tigers, unconvincingly. Yeah. The Tigers making it very hard for themselves. I mean, the way I say it, they probably have to win five of their next... What are we up to? They're five of the next seven. And, you know, if they want to be there, this has to be one of them. But they're, they're slowly losing touch with the top eight. They've won one of their last five. Um, look, I have to say, the Bulldogs, I have come on this podcast a lot this year and at least given them points for effort. Um, last week, they just weren't in it. They just weren't good enough. And it, it, Lachlan Lewis, I thought those two tackles uh, he made were just sloppy. Um, and it shows a, a lack of effort. Um, they're, they're big names. Like, they're, old, they're older players. Josh Jackson um, and that side defence had, had a really horrendous time. They were just... Melbourne were stampeding down there. Um, lack of effort from Jackson and Tolman. Um, and, you know... A, yeah, for me, it's going to be the Tigers because I can't tip the Bulldogs after what I saw last week. Um, they might bounce back. I thought they'd actually been doing quite well under the interim coach. But, yeah, based on what I saw last week, it has to be the Tigers, who also were terrible last week, but I think less worse. Yeah, there's there's more consistency within the, the Tigers this season. The Dogs, you see, like at the start of the season, there were a couple of games where they tried, but there's just games where they just they they haven't turned up. And that's the issue. Like. You can. We know that you have a bad team, but if you don't put in the effort, then your fans aren't going to respect what's going on out there. So, I think that's the big issue with the Bulldogs. They're. I think they're just waiting for this season to end, and they can get that fresh start under Trent Barrett next year. Yep, exactly. So, I think unless I'm mistaken, we've just actually picked the same round. So, yeah, um, yeah. we've both picked the Roosters at the SCG to beat the Storm. 
Penrith will be too good for the Warriors. The Eels will beat St George. The Sharks will beat the Titans. Souths to win against the Cowboys in Townsville. The Raiders at home over the Broncos. The Knights over Manly and the Tigers over the Bulldogs. Yeah, there's going to be one stupid upset in there, which is going to cost me a perfect rounder yet again. But anyway. Yep. As long as it's not the 5.30 game. Um, <laughs> now, that is a big podcast, Corpse. We covered a lot. There was a lot to cover. It was yeah. only a week ago we complained that things were quiet. But, you know, uh, it, it is mid-August. And unusually, the, this would be the time where we'd be saying three weeks till the finals. Um, it's six weeks till the finals. The top eight is starting to take shape. Um, I would argue it is potentially set in terms of teams. Um, but who knows? It always surprises. The, uh, the Warriors and the Tigers are equal 10th. But the Warriors have such a bad for and against, I have to rule them out because it's negative 131. Manly are sitting alone on 12th. They're six wins and seven losses um, at, at four and against of minus 48. So um, the Tigers are plus 12. It was much better before Newcastle smashed them, but their form is not great. So um, based on that, I'm probably saying that the top eight looks pretty much in place, but how it plays out, um, is TBC. But this game this weekend for the Roosters um, will go a long way for them in settling a top four position. Yeah. Yeah, we got a bit of clearance last week after Canberra lost to the Panthers. So now for and against is quite solid. It's the best in the competition. Uh, actually, no, it's not. Melbourne have overtaken us because of that Bulldogs win. So let's hope that we get a win over Melbourne on the weekend, and then they versus the Eels the week after. So it's a bit of a tough stretch from Melbourne. We'll see how they go. Um, yeah, I think that's it, Emmanuel. Uh, thank you, everyone, again, for listening. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at How Good Is Rugby League. And we are now on Twitter, as Emmanuel mentioned earlier, at How Good Is RL. Uh, we do live tweet. We will try live tweet a game or two every round uh, and you know comment on games here and there throughout the, throughout the round as well. Uh, would love the support yeah. and yeah it's definitely worth checking out because I think Michael thought um, he was running the Roosters Twitter account on Thursday <laughs> night when he was covering the game um, I <laughs> try not to be biased I try not to be biased he forgot St George were playing but you know it's understandable you could tell when St George had the ball because our Twitter account didn't tweet 20 minutes. But um, yeah, anyway, with that, Michael, how good is rugby league? How good is rugby league? Oh, hang on, Thanks, hang on, guys. hang on. One uh, thing, one thing, yeah. I, one thing I've just forgotten that I have to have to mention that I completely forgot to mention. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night and a very early happy birthday to my fellow podcaster, Michael, um, who is celebrating his birthday on the 12th of August. Um, Happy birthday, my friend. Love doing this with you. And um, I hope that a storm win is coming your way as a present. So, wow, uh, thank you. How are you so kind? <laughs> I am, I know. It's better than what I've got in you every other year. So. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yeah, thank well, you, Emmanuel. Thank you. How good is Rugby um, League? Have a good How week. How good is Rugby League? Thanks, guys. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>